0: Good night, villagers. Yes, I. Welcome to what another of, boy? episode of Heights Room. Nice. What let's say in there, fellas?
1: Well, I still not in him. Oh yeah, no
0: we're on a new little. platform now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still, I a bit of tea fed here.
2: Right. Yeah, no Change problem. We
1: should do from the arm, um, from the screen here. Right,
0: right, right so in right. the dance day. Right. The, yeah. the dance day now. we the dance. Three three panels, eh? the three. No, no, mm-hmm. let me try this one. Is right. the best, best looking one at all, yeah, so. So
2: we must yeah. All, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. all Yeah, yeah, all the way, Pana. In all the tonight. Yeah, of yeah, course,
1: yeah, well, course, boy, yeah. Let's stay in the fight. You know what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mad, it's mad. Scene out there, right now, boy. It's mad scene out there. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm, real mm-hmm. mad scene, it's real mad scene.
0: So what's going on, fellas? Everybody good? Everybody safe? Got a here get a vaccine. Gates talking to you yet?
1: Um, actually, um, Mao, Mao talking to me. Mm. <laughs> 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 I dreams from of Mao, the
2: afterlife? People.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: dreaming now. <mal>, dreaming
0: <laughs> So, dog, I hear, I hear. We boy, um, the man himself, top dog, Donnell. I believe he's yeah, the boy. youngest. The youngest, uh, dead from COVID, or at least one of the youngest people who died from COVID.
1: Maybe one of the youngest. I think there was a there was a younger. I believe there was one. I believe I can't remember. I can't say off guard, but he's definitely. I would say the first um. The first social media sensation from Trinidad to, to go to COVID, one of the few people who actually in that social media realm, people all the youths know him, you know. I I right. of course, was a big fan of Donnell and um, you know, it's it, it really it, it hit me hard. It hit me hard, you know, because like I used to look forward to hearing Donnell talk and seeing him be, you know, high and wild and thing. And I I I'm somebody who who you know grew up around um people with his condition, you know, so I'm accustomed to their to their jovial mood and that kind of thing. So you know for me a lot of people, you know, they would have um really felt the 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 burn when um right right, right when right, get right. news now. I know a lot of people didn't expect to be totally the way they're toting so right now what is done boy but as I as you could mm. say where you're really telling yourself
0: um yeah, where you really telling yourself
1: yeah, we're really telling you, is
0: yeah. A, is that's that's dice I get Yeah, that is.
2: You yeah, know, he was hey, like,
1: man, yeah, boy. yeah, he used to like the heel zest, he used to like belly, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I was going to get a little something here, but I get through off too. I wanted to put oh, of the but we'll talk, we'll probably link that later or something. Um, mm-hmm. let me um, just say that you know, condolences to the family of, of Top Dog Donald Phillips, you know, yes, uh, sir. To, to all his friends and people in the camp, you know, who used to run his social media and thing. I know they're feeling a big loss at this point in time. You Know he was our soul yeah. a real agent for positivity in Trinidad to me, be yes, right, because, right, because he always used to put a smile on your face. And it was always good to see that level of inclusion when you see his post now that he he lining with the boys, he out there, you know, he was very close down yeah. to Darren Bravo. Darren Bravo was his mm-hmm. like neighbor, oh, really? Right? Yeah, so you still yeah, yeah, from
2: Santa Cruz, yeah, you know, mm. Santa
1: Cruz. So all, you he used to always be in arm um, in Darren Bravo posts and he used to be Lyman Hard. And okay, okay, I know and okay, our okay, okay, okay. whole community is, is is hit very hard by his loss. you know. Um uh, you, know, mm-hmm. peace, Donald, you know, rest in peace, Donnell. You know?
0: Rest uh, in peace, uh, Donnell.
1: And speaking mm-hmm. of the um, speaking of the COVID situation, um, today was uh day of uh how to put it? Chaos. Matt, chaos. Mad scene. Mad scene. in the morning. Mad scene in the morning. So today was the first day of the walking rollout. Now, from the minute I hear on the weekend that we'll be taking strictly walking first come first serve, I stop and I tell myself, this man's serious. Like, are we going to really walk in first come first serve for this vaccination across the country with the 30 odd health centers we have with vaccines right now are we really telling ourselves that that going on be a good scene so i was awaiting some kind of further communication about about that um and there was none and lo and behold this morning yeah and lo and behold this morning it was just a total mad scene now you know it was just total chaos because what you have is rush in because people are accustomed to Russian for whenever they know they have to get something when mm. it is public service so since five o'clock people line up on things so i don't know what we're really telling myself
2: yeah. but i mean the only thing though cutter i mean who wouldn't expect that you understand what i'm saying i mean you know can we you must expect people let me
0: take a look at somebody oh, rush here
3: let now me that what, what, eh? it, have, it have no
0: social
3: distancing
1: going
3: on here What's
1: like that? Don't, don't go and take no vaccine because I get out of over there. What's that, girl? You
4: can't over there What's, What's
1: that, girl?
0: You telling me? <laughs> nah. You telling nah, nah, me? Nah, 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 nah. No way, Jose. Yeah. I'm trying to save people okay. kill them. I'm
2: killing
0: people, man! Well, I... I guess you can see the video, but you hear the math. <laughs> 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 i,
2: you, I you, if it's
0: just me now. I, I tell you, if it's just me. But yeah, I mean,
1: all of you, every weeks, we, learn any tech, we learn any tech right now. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but, you know, you see, what I don't understand, right, is like this is supposed to be rolled out primarily for elderly people and for people who are not elderly but have comorbidities. But the focus has always been for the longest while the elderly people. You right. expect elderly people, we're talking over 60, we're talking dante, right, mm. and, then, and then mm. so on, to be stand up in that kind of line, dog? What, 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 yeah. what kind of, that's inhumane, man. Again, it's inhumanity as we've seen right through, and I really don't understand how we could think that, okay, let me try it and see how it goes. You shouldn't gamble at people. I mean, this is safety, dog. Yeah. you make making yeah. that kind of grouping up. Why is your safety putting people at health hazard? You can't be doing yeah. that. All you had to yeah. do was say to yourself, okay, we're going to roll out vaccines. We're going to have, these are the, the categories by which the walk-ins can happen. If you're living in this area, XYZ, so today, they, so today they come now and apologize and say, that's how you're going to use alphabetical order and so on. And they're going to do over 60. Why wait for this to happen? then to say that? But again, people will say they're learning, they're standing like if they're in kindergarten. You understand? They're learning. Well, well, I, I don't know.
2: I, I hear you, but, but here's the part that's confusing to me, and it's probably because I, I just don't know, right? So I, I, I'm a little ignorant, so I want mm. I, I want to live in. Mm. I thought AstraZeneca had run out, and that's why they went to sign a farm, which was a hundred thousand, and they was basically scheduling people with the sign of farm. I know somebody close to me tried to get on the sign of farm thing, and they say, No, sign of farm done, so we had to hold out. All of a sudden, now we come back with AstraZeneca. Is it like it's a new shipment of AstraZeneca that come in um, and therefore they're just yeah. saying, well, firebund the, um, the, 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 the schedule, now?
1: Well, well, I'm not sure what's going on. Um, again, somebody in the comments could probably, um, could probably um, you know, enlighten us Sense on, on that. Yeah, enlighten no, us so on that. What is happening is that with the, the initial set of AstraZeneca went out the window. It was finished. And yeah. we had Sinopharm, right? And Sinopharm mm-hmm. has been rolling out in all the health centers. To my knowledge, I think it was still Sinopharm is the main thing being rolled out. I don't know. Um, I would think that because um, just this week, people were getting Sinopharm. So I don't think today it would have mm-hmm. been AstraZeneca. It would have been. There is, however, AstraZeneca that came as gifts that they are given to teachers and so on. Right. And they're given to people in the in the front in, lines. Yeah. Like different things now that they would have. So right now, teachers are getting AstraZeneca because that was a gift from one of the islands. So they use that gift to go towards mm. the teachers and that is really roll out at UTT and so on. So that's a, a different thing. So, I mean, it have all kind of things going on. Honestly, the vaccine situation in Trinidad is all over the place. It's an all so, over the place thing. It is a so real what, all over the place thing.
0: What's this talk about here? I you know health centers only have like. 100 vaccines to give out and 60 vaccines mm. to give out.
2: Yeah, every, guys, day, I mean,
1: every day they have like a batch kind of thing now, from what I understand. Is it's not, yeah, it just be like that because they, again, they're not gauging how, okay, because remember they were working at appointments. And when you're looking at appointments and at, let's say the average person getting vaccinated takes probably like there's, it's like 15 minutes to get a job from waiting to getting in or you know, whatever, probably from from when you're when you walk in the center because you're waiting outside most of the time outside, right? yeah. but then you have to wait and you have to remember social does not have to good you have to make your wait 20 minutes after you get job and so on and they have to test your blood pressure and make sure your vitals is good so you're looking at the fact that with the appointment system, And with these things that have to happen, they would have averaged that, well, we go work with this amount because during that day, we can handle this amount and next day. But now they don't know how much they're really going to get when they have the walk-in. You have hundreds of people outside. I'm I'm not sure what is the logistics with it. And then they would have less than they need because many times people went to get vaccinated in the afternoon and they did not have enough for them. People with appointments, that happened to many old people. They went for their appointment in the afternoon and they didn't have enough. I don't know how, but again, I don't know what what is going on there. I don't know what's going on there. I really don't. But
2: know. but what but what trigger moving towards this um again, I just trying to, to get it logic. What triggered it moving to this first come first loop system? What what was the reason? Because it, it was already not working good. So is it that the, like, what, the, what, what happened? The
1: minister said that uh, they got feedback, right? Feedback. They, but they that, was always getting feedback. <laughs> You they know, I just said, what happened no, so bad? You know? don't know. I so don't know. we, we, I we, we don't don't know. This, you know, don't, don't, don't give me that. I, <laughs> I, I am expected to be dotish, I realize. I am expected to be dotish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now, yes, now, you now mean, they do. said they got feedback that the mm. the appointment system is not working for the majority of the population yeah, because the people not get, people not getting responses. And also, people are not able to use the whatsapp not able to call it like call the number over and over right like talking about tanti and then and then thing. so now right. he's saying first come first come. and then i'm like but how that make no, it better ex- for all
2: ex- people ex- ex- exactly Kota. that is the problem i have i don't mind you're saying it, 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 it okay we are to make a change don't change to something worse exactly, you know, how could you possibly think this is going to be better no at the end of the day don't get me wrong Everybody stress, everybody at their limit, you know what I mean? Everybody, you know, trying the best and whatnot and thing. But what we're saying is everybody on that show, this is something that, you know what I mean, is people health, is people livelihood, that out there and things. Let me get a little more care now, man. Let me get a little more care, you know what I mean? Think about the system a little more. Think about how you will put the right people to come up with the system, you understand what I'm saying? And, 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 and let them walk it through more sensibly because this... This can be making sense, right? And that's then was, cool. uh, and then now they're jumping up with alphabetical. So what you saying? People in A are more important than people in B? Come number. No, well, no well, know, that alphabetical. You know, well, that that happens,
0: eh? They do that. That's Yeah, in Bali, that's happening. That's something you have to do like from
2: in time time. Um, no, but it's has... it's it's something enough when you have with... enough. Oh, right? When you have, you you have, have enough. Right, if right. You are sixty. So... So, you saying everybody in A, and then you had to wait for the next shipment. You see, the, that was e. I don't know how you're managing. it
1: E with thirty odd, health, if I'm not mistaken, thirty something health centers across Trinidad, right? Yeah. A to e, as a man say, we have plenty A and B. We have plenty Ali, so we go see what's going on. All right? <laughs> I, I, I I suspect that this is going to be very wild again tomorrow and so on. Um, I I, I suspect <laughs> it to be to be. I'm at scene stuff for well. a little right? while. All mm-hmm. right. Um, with that being said, there is there anything else you guys want to talk about before we move on to the main topic?
2: Yeah, uh, well, you know, we are we are. The, um, well, what time
1: are we there? We are 8.45 there, so I think we could... Well, the Bird from wildfall Trust, that is sad. That is sad. That is, that yeah, is sad. That is that sad. One was, I right. watched
2: that and um, I like the and Bird now, boy. I mean, no, no, mean... I didn't know
0: the wildfall Trust was still operational to be honest i was quite surprised yeah. pleasantly
2: surprised I of, of, yeah you know a what? couple of vets inside of think them real you know they they they're they really trying the best with what they have on thing now but. so i mean I for know, for for, for for yeah for, for thief to go in they know and try and take and apparently it's like some of the best birds they're going with apparently it's like they say some breeders oh. or something i like chad what kind
1: that's an inside job that's an inside true. job. True, true, how true, 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 That's nasty people. is host. You're yes, yes how, yes, how else you going into that that compound? How else you going in compound? Going any the wild trust, picking up so much bud, right? Yeah, 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 And, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. getting out. That's an inside Bro. job. And this is how it's this. I mm. think it is out here, dog, you know.
0: <laughs> but that being <laughs> men that,
1: different. All right. Well, that, that being said, my head. Li- I am My head a li- hot, hot. Tonight. Yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, li- well, well, it's a hot night.
1: night. Yeah, it's a hot night. Right Now, those of you who have been following up with our um, updates would know that tonight we set aside to deal with a certain topic. And this is the topic of the Venezuelan refugee crisis in Trinidad. Now, to give us insight into the refugee situation, we needed to get people who are qualified in this area. And I'm pleased to present two guests tonight. So we have two. So again, two for the price of (laughs) one, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Tonight, we have with us a longtime friend of mine since he was Picney, right? Mr. Mm -hmm. Matthew Ramsawak. Right. Mr. Matthew Ramsawak is an international development specialist, and he is here tonight as the senior community based protection assistant at the UNHCR TT. So, welcome, Matthew. Good night.
3: Good night, everybody. Good night. Special good yes, night sir. to you, Cutter, my brethren from yeah. a long time. We grew up yeah, in Big up, boss. Big up, <laughs> boss. Nice. Boss is the Most boss. government. Boss
1: is the boss that never lost, guys, tonight. Yeah, man, brother. Inside. Also, on the show, so you know, we had, to, we had to keep it balanced, too. So, yes. another friend of mine, but someone who I don't know since I'll pick me, right, um, we have Amanda Chukwan, Trinidad Jamaican writer and activist, and also Amanda Haswood with the UN Refugee Agency in this country Ooh. as well. So big thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, big big ones, big
2: ones, big ones. So <laughs> Hi, thank you
1: so much for... Hi, Amanda. Thank Hi. you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you so much. You guys, you, um, you all coordinate well and, and come through in, in good time and all of that. I tell you, my head I real hot. I wasn't it. sure... I wasn't sure if everybody was on the inside and thing because I had a little emergency take place just now there. But we here. We good to go. All right. So let me get into this dance. one. Yeah, let me get into this thing one time. All right. So before um we get into the, the line of questioning and so on, Matthew, can you give us a little breakdown of what the UNHCR is, or also known as the UN Refugee Agency?
3: Yes, certainly. So uh, UNHCR, the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, uh, it's a long title, but uh, known as the UN Refugee Agency for short, um, has been in existence for over 50 years. Um, it was created uh, post-World War II, as many other UN agencies were done, uh, essentially as a as a project um, to help the world to heal from the devastation of the World Wars, but also to help address um, some of the big problems in the world resulted from the World Wars. And of course, one of the major problems would have been mass displacement of people. Right, So mm-hmm. the UN Refugee Agency was created essentially with the mandate of uh, trying to build a collective uh, effort globally to deal with refugees and asylum seekers. Uh, It included, of course, uh, putting together legislation, um, helping to define exactly who refugees and asylum seekers are, um, defining a broad range of of circumstances uh, that can create situations of displacement, um, and essentially just working with governments and other international agencies to... um, to build functioning asylum systems across the world. So UNHCR's primary function, again, is to to assist governments to help uh, build uh, functioning asylum systems and to help provide um, unrestricted access of refugees and asylum seekers to asylum systems in each country.
1: Oh, that that um, clears it up for us there. Um, so the UNHCR is also referred to as the U.N. Refugee Agency mm-hmm. as well. Okay, um, Matthew, so first of all, I would like you for our viewers who may not know, what is the difference between a migrant and a refugee? Yeah,
3: it's a very good question. Um, I'm sure most people would would have heard um, the words refugee and migrant sort of used interchangeably, you know, in, in media, public discussions and so on. Um, there is a very crucial legal difference between the two terms. Um, so, confusing them, there's also conceptually uh, a big difference, and I think confusing those two terms can can really be um, can lead to a lot of problems for refugees and asylum seekers, as well as just general misunderstandings on um, the topic of migration and of seeking asylum. So, uh, refugees, in the most general sense, are people who have fled uh, their countries of origin. Um, due to war, conflict, uh, persecution or threat of persecution um, have crossed an in, uh, international border um, to find safety in another country. Um, they often flee their countries of origin with uh, nothing more than the clothes on their back, uh, many times without, without legal documentation and so on, oftentimes uh, having to make treacherous um, journeys uh, just to, to, to get to safety. Um, The 1951 Refugee Convention um, is a big international uh, sort of like document where countries all around the world who are signatories have gotten together to define what refugees are uh, more specifically as well as to outline um, what rights and responsibilities, what what rights refugees have and what responsibilities um, countries have towards them. Um, You can find the International um, the Refugee Convention online Um, if you're interested Mm -hmm. to to know more about it. The term migrant, on the other hand, um, is is an umbrella term and is not strictly defined under international law. Um, It refers widely to uh, many different categories of people um, in in different situations. Um, So generally speaking, persons who have moved away from their country of residence or habitual residence Temporarily or permanently, and for a variety of reasons, uh, most commonly to, to to better themselves economically for work, uh, many times for education, for family. Um, so, the term can include uh, so migrants can encompass a number of different, more well-defined legal categories, such as migrant workers, um, different you know persons who are who are moved uh, irregularly, such as smuggled persons, persons who have been trafficked, um, and then there's persons who may not be as clearly defined legally, such as international students and so on. So the the main difference is that migrants choose to move around, not because of a direct threat of persecution or death, but may need to improve their lives, um, whereas refugees Mm -hmm. uh, really cannot um, safely return home, right? Migrants usually can return home safely without Mm -hmm. fear for their lives, Mm -hmm. and can also generally um, receive protection from their governments, whereas refugees and asylum seekers, they're, they're the protection that should be afforded to them by the government is usually compromised.
1: Right. So this concept of asylum, Matthew, mm-hmm. right? And seeking asylum, would this be a human right? That, um, you know, when we talk about the rights of, of people, is asylum a human right? And can you just unpack a little bit what asylum really is, means to, to the human mm-hmm. being?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so again, in its more simple terms, um, asylum is a process of seeking safety and protection um, from persecution or fair persecution, uh, while seeking out the status of a refugee, of being a refugee, right? And we already spoke about um, what refugees were a bit earlier. Um, asylum seekers, seeking asylum is a fundamental human right um, of, of anybody who is fleeing to find safety? Uh, this right is enshrined in a number of different international uh, instruments and conventions, including the Refugee Convention, but also the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the Convention Against Torture, among others. Um, uh, Trinidad and Tobago has been a signatory of the International Refugee Convention since the year two thousand. Oh. Um, so yes, um, and the you know the, the Refugee Convention outlines a little bit more sort of like. Some of the broader conditions, um, specific specific guidelines in certain circumstances, which which um, help to guide countries to to understand the situation of asylum seekers a bit more. Um, so yeah, all well, everybody yeah. has the right to seek asylum. Um, because everybody obviously has the right to safety and security right yes. um but it's important to know that seeking asylum is not should, should not and is not intended to be used as a, a means of protecting somebody from say like running from having committed a crime in their country of origin um that that wouldn't be a, a grounds for yes yeah. Yeah.
1: definitely all right so let me ask some uh, something to amanda here because i know amanda does get a little juicy at times right <laughs>
4: uh, amanda <laughs> Yes, Kata. (laughs) Where
1: where would you say Venezuelans fall? Under the category of migrants or under the category of refugees and why?
4: Okay, so this is a tricky question because we are told frequently um, through the media and and by the language that the government uses that Venezuelans fall under this category of economic migrants. Um, The truth is not quite that. That is not the absolute truth. So when I was at UNHCR, you know, you would talk about mixed migration flows, but also um, at the end of my tenure at UNHCR, um, there was a, a, a consideration for the fact that all Venezuelans fleeing um, are to be considered persons of concern. So essentially, all Venezuelans who are fleeing their country, who are who are displaced the UNHCR essentially was, was made to consider them as people who um, are in need of protection, international protection in some way. Um, so uh, that is again to say that, um, that we do need to consider Venezuelans asylum seekers. We can't consider all Venezuelans refugees because, as Matthew said, to be considered a refugee you have to go through a process, process that is enshrined in this convention, um, but in order to be considered an asylum seeker, really all you have to do is declare an intent to seek asylum in the country in which you flee to. So yes, I would consider most Venezuelans, you can't consider all Venezuelans. Yeah. Um, Right. refugees or asylum seekers, because, you know, I don't, I don't know, it's impossible to know why every Venezuelan is here. And of course, we do know that right. there are Venezuelans here who have been here for a while, you know, with permits, mm-hmm. and so forth. But um, mm-hmm. there are valid reasons. And I guess that gets really to the meat of the matter. And I know that, you know, in the UN, there are conventions, and there are treaties, and there's all this language. But the truth mm-hmm. of the fact is that the UN did undergo a fact-finding mission in 2020, spoke to people and found that their government was, you know, could be held responsible for committing atrocities against, um, against Venezuelans. That's all under conventional quote-unquote reasons for. And when I say conventional, I mean, so it's a little bit complicated, but I'll try to simplify mm. it. So essentially, yeah. you have this convention. So. You have this convention, right? The 51 Convention. The 51 Convention, as Matthew said, is a tool from, it's a World War II relic. So the convention itself lays out the conditions by which someone should be considered a refugee as well as the rights that they are entitled to. So if you read the convention, you will see that basically the definition of a refugee is um, um, fleeing because of fear of... I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm very much butchering the definition, but it is fleeing due to a well-founded, a well-founded fear of persecution that falls into certain categories, right? So when right. people sort of typically think of a refugee, they might be thinking of someone who is fleeing due to belonging to a social... This is part of the convention. Right. So for instance, and the UN considers a social group or, or belonging to you know a religious group um, belonging to a particular race or ethnicity—all of this stuff is is outlined in the convention, right? Um, but they can because the convention is a World War II relic. It does it isn't doesn't um, it isn't well equipped for modern times and for and modern, modern times, times of conflict,
2: right? right? Yeah. So modern in Venezuela, problem. you see, yeah,
4: so in Venezuela you see that the conflict is layered, and one thing can cause something else. And this is even before we get to that UN fact-finding report that literally stated that there are human rights abuses being committed in Venezuela, even before. Um, can you, sorry, can you, all, can you all hear me? See me well?
1: Uh, we're hearing yeah. you fine. We're hearing you fine, fine, fine. Which, is, which, is, which is enough, because we're, which the, is, um, the, feed, the video feed has, has frozen. OK, it's back. All right, good.
4: Uh, okay. sorry, I yeah. just um, yeah. closed off some tabs on my laptop and I live down the island, so the internet kind of yeah. sketch. Ah, so um, that probably
0: just threw off your computer a
4: little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um I hope I'm I'm better. I'm not yeah, sure.
1: No, okay, yeah, no. No. yeah, we can right see we can we can see the walk like an Egyptian. We see an
3: Egyptian walk.
4: <laughs> okay, <laughs> hey, no, yeah, I was yeah. it was vulgar, right. but okay. All right.
3: Yeah. I'll take it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But this...
4: But basic, to get back to the point, which, which we, I guess we have to do to get back to the point, mm-hmm. um, the right. So these so modern kinds of conflicts aren't necessarily um, all covered by um, by the convention. And when I say modern kinds of conflicts, you know the fact that there are Latin American countries that uh, you know like Venezuela. Let's use Venezuela. That Venezuela is, is undergoing a crisis that is multi layered in that yes there's a severe economic crisis but there's also severe violence poverty um um, hunger um causing many different things lack of access to medication um which means widespread disease and so on so and um, so basically generalized violence so there actually are and to get back to that um there actually are um, updated protocols um, and agreements that will cover that, that kind of generalized definition of a refugee. I feel as though people don't, don't really know this, but for instance, there's the Cartagena Declaration. And again, I know it's the UN, so there are lots of these declarations and so on. The Cartagena Declaration is, is a declaration signed by Latin American countries, not Trinidad and Tobago. Um, but basically agreeing to this generalized definition of a refugee and agreeing on cooperating in order to solve issues together um, regarding refugees. Trinidad, however, was present at the Brazil Declaration <laughs> um, right. which, which actually um, sort of reinforced some of the principles of the Cartagena Declaration, meaning that right. Trinidad and Tobago as a country actually has participated in some of these mechanisms that decide on what happens to refugees. Um, right. It's just that that's yeah. not well, in that we have. We have a
0: framework.
4: Well, yeah, yeah I mean, we, ha- we do have a framework. The framework is the 51 convention. In fact, there's also, and again, not a lot of people know this, but there's actually, by the previous administration, it developed a draft policy that was accepted by cabinet. <laughs> um, they, and that draft policy, if anyone Googles, is online. Um, and actually see because UNHCR basically, it's, it's, um, it's position is that the UN system should not be handling, um, you know, asylum seekers because it's a, it's a process. It's like, if you apply for a visa and you line up, you know, it's a step-by-step process. You have to gather your documents. You have to go and line up any line. You have to get an appointment. Mm -hmm. You have to sit down in a chair. You have to wait. You can't carry nothing. Like, like, you know, it's a, it's a process. Right. Um, right. And so it's the process of seeking asylum. So that process right. typically should, um, from UNITSIA's p- perspective, be handled by the state. Um, but and, and so if you look at the draft policy, you will see that there was actually a plan for it to be handled by the state. Um, what has happened since is, well news yeah basically mm-hmm.
2: yeah. So, yeah, it all, Everybody okay. everybody's
1: in all right so let me but, let me get back to something here okay mm-hmm. let's see you mm. want come in and see yeah
2: um so yeah. Uh, amanda one one question so if, if there exists a policy is it then that the moving this forward is simply a question of money to finance the plan from this policy and a political will
4: so, so just to just to be clear, there is no policy. There is an approach, a draft approach to developing a policy. Again, the bureaucracy. So there's there's no policy. Right. Just to be super clear, there is. Uh, mm. If you look at the document in layman's terms, it it almost looks like like a like instructions as to how to go about doing this. Mm. Like like what should and it does lay out. It it is detailed and it does say okay, refugees should be entitled to A, B, C, D. A, B, C, D, education, this, that, that, and so on. It also states the NGOs that, that should be helping. It states, um, um, honestly, just Google it. <laughs> it has everything there. And yeah, i yeah, I I'm, yeah. um, right. I'm not um, doing a good job of representing it in its entirety. No, 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 no. Um, yeah, yeah, but, yeah.
2: Uh, we, 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 we We can clear from where you The general but, just but Okay, there.
4: cool. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
2: So, but then tell okay. me this, tell me this yeah. Amanda, who then makes the decision of if you have x people coming in so let's say you have 10 people coming in from venezuela mm-hmm. who makes that determination well you're a refugee you are migrant you are asylum seeker who is the person that makes that determination because it seems like there are different paths to treating with each each person so i mean there, there seems to be a lot of um power in that determination who, who makes that determination
4: Right, I mean, I think Matt, you could step in and that in explaining and the process, like the logistics. I think because right. Um, right. um because it is a right process. Now,
1: right now, mm. Matt, you process. It's something.
0: Matt, you here in
1: here? We right.
3: here in here? Uh, here. Uh, I apologize. Uh, uh, it's like like a moment. Never yeah, we I mean, like the Andy
1: headlights look too. It's looking as, as
3: a vibe. So, you just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. So, never a dull moment that. with my internet connection at home. So, I trust yeah, yeah, the yeah. mobile data now to, to, to yeah, carry
0: yeah. Apologies. for oh, want to see Yeah. Can
3: yeah, yeah. um, so yeah. so you, um, you just repeat the question there? As I was connecting my audio. Work? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, so um, the, yeah. Yeah. Go
4: ahead, go, ahead, go ahead. No, 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 no. Amanda, I was just going to say... Yeah. Um... To answer your question, okay, so, so I'll tell Matthew the part that I thought that mm-hmm. he could answer, but basically, yeah. right. um, the question was about um, how, then how do we determine who is a who is a refugee, who is an asylum seeker, who is a, um, a migrant, and so on. So basically, ideally, and, and who also, who is supposed to be managing that process? So ideally, like we said, the state should be managing that process. Um... UNHCR is managing that process or was, you know, almost as an interim measure. Um, If you you read the draft policy, or rather the draft approach to establishing a policy, you will see that clearly um, laid out. So essentially how that process works is that, like I said, once, and this is a right that we all have, um, party to the convention, for instance, if one of us decides that we are being persecuted and we go into the US, again, the system does not function the way it should but we should be able to uh, you know declare an intent to seek asylum and then that makes you an asylum seeker nothing else um what you do is you know you present yourself um in trinidad to you it's your um there's also a pre-registration process that happens at living water um and basically you you kind of go through step by step a process of registration and then a process of refugee status determination Um, and then there are, if it is that you are determined to be a refugee, there are some solutions that might be, um, open to you. Um, I think Matthew can, can qualify the logistics of that. Um, if you are not determined to be a refugee, then you're basically privy or subject to the immigration laws of the country. Um, and you know, those immigration laws will basically, as they exist now, decriminalize illegal entry. So you would be subject to deportation. Um, I'm not sure if Machi wants to add anything to that process.
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you pretty much just kind of hit everything on his head, Amanda. Just to recap a little bit and to add a few little things. Mm-hmm. So all signatories to the Refugee Convention, um, are, are part of the of the, the substance of what they have signed on to is a commitment to ensure access, um, unrestricted access to, to uh, an asylum procedure. Now, each country um has uh, it the, the, the right to sort of like build within its own legal framework um an asylum system which works um an asylum so to determine things like uh, what the parameters are uh, they can use the refugee convention as a guideline but also um countries also do uh, adjust based on their context locally but the 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 one unifying factor is that um, all those who are seeking asylum uh, must receive unrestricted access to the procedure uh, must be given um, information on the procedure in a language that they can understand and mm-hmm. must be helped to understand what they can expect um, as they go through the procedure. So here in Trinidad and Tobago, uh, we, we help to con- UNHCR helped to contribute to a draft refugee policy, um, I believe in the year 2014-2015, um, but uh, currently the local legislation, despite being a signatory of the Refugee Convention, uh, has not changed, um, ha- has not altered itself basically to to be able to sort of like um, deliver on some of the responsibilities that um, are outlined in the Refugee Convention. So in terms of the the asylum process itself, as soon as someone is um, has identified themselves or is recognised as someone who uh, is thought to be um, a, an asylum seeker, uh, there is a pre screening that is done. Uh, UNHCR partners locally with Living Water Community to undertake this this procedure, um, and so Living Water Community uh, will basically uh, take some some general information down on the person, assess their immediate needs, and then um, persons will be referred to UNH- the UNHCR office to complete uh, their sort of like registration. And the asylum process is essentially collecting as much information as possible on the individual. Um, in terms of their history, in terms of what their story their story is, um, and as much information as is possible, basically, to sort of, like, begin to examine their claim. Um, there is then a, a procedure whereby uh, each individual case is interviewed um, uh, at length. Uh, interviews can be uh, several hours long, and there can be multiple interviews. And all of this information is used uh, against data that is collected regularly on the situation in the country and so on, uh, essentially to sort of like build a build a profile of each individual case and match it against the refugee definitions that exist. so uh, cases that match the definition obviously will be granted um, the the status of of refugee um, and those who do not uh, who who are not granted uh, refugee status they do have uh, I believe it's a 30 day period in which they can they can appeal the decision uh, the case will be revisited and so on um, and then, uh, if if the appeal is not successful, then as Amanda mentioned, uh, the the person will then become subject to the local immigration laws and uh, whatever actions immigration uh, sees fit to take at that point uh, is the prerogative of them. Um, those recognised okay. refugees are then, mm-hmm. you know, the, the 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 idea is to search or seek out uh, mm-hmm. what we call durable solutions, which are like long lasting solutions that will allow. For people to live the highest quality of life possible in the long run. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, Matt. So it's a lot. It's a it's a it's a lot of information, right? That we that we get in here. So I just want to bring it back to like some fundamental points here, just to make sure we on the same page and that mm-hmm. the viewers on the same page. So if a person from Venezuela reaches mm-hmm. our shores, mm-hmm. right? They are they aren't automatically a refugee unless they go through the process of seeking asylum? Essentially,
3: Is that, yeah? yes. So, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. No, no one can be, uh, well, in very probably like in certain situations where the mm-hmm. person's situation may seem uh, mm-hmm. a, a, obviously dire, but generally speaking, uh, a mm-hmm. person has to go through the, the refugee status determination process uh, to be... Right. To be a refugee or not, but as, as Amanda mentioned a bit mm-hmm. earlier in the podcast, mm-hmm. given the mm-hmm. widespread nature of the situation in Venezuela, in particular, the widespread mm-hmm. nature, the, the well documented um, uh, situation and where, where people are facing violence sort of like you know, on a day to day basis and so on, uh, all Venezuelans yeah. fleeing the country at this point in time are, con- are considered uh, de facto asylum seekers, right? It just means that when they arrive, um, they, they should all sort of like go through this process of determining whether or not they are refugees or not. And not all of them, right. of course, will meet the definition. Uh right. depending right. on the circumstance, but everyone will will who, especially those who 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 actively seek it out will go through the process.
1: Now I think you know a lot of a lot of locals they don't really understand the nature of the unrest and the the economic situation in in Venezuela. You know they, they they're not really informed about it you know and i think that's sad because maybe if they were to really put themselves in the shoes of the people who are coming to our shores they might understand why they are here but um tell me this we are looking at the fact that you know the refugee is one who is who is going through these dire circumstances right mm-hmm. and that they have to come here now we have a, a situation where a lot of refugees are asking for repatriation on a lot of Venezuelans. Because again, I it's kind of hard for us to say who actually falls under the refugee um actual status. Because again, we don't know how much we're able to go through that that um that process. But mm-hmm. I will still use the word loosely, right? We have refugees who who right now, you know, you're seeing it in the papers that they want to go back home because. Of what's going on here with our our lockdown and so on, and because it's it's really hard, you know, it's really hard for them to really make ends meet because they came here with nothing and now there's nothing to do to really make make a, live, a living and so on. It, so with that in mind, does that in, does that somehow would you say, Amanda? Let me ask you: Does that do, do you think it negates in any way the 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 case that that Venezuelans are not economic migrants but are indeed fleeing um you know for their for their life so to speak?
4: I think it what it does is that it does it does mean, well, first of all, I'll say I, I don't think that all, I mean, literally, as I was talking to you, it's mind blowing, mm-hmm. but somebody who works mm-hmm. in the field just told me about women who had been raped um, and, like, I just got that a minute ago um, and mm-hmm. cases of, of people who were victimized in the worst ways. Um, cases that if you work at UNHCR, you have to deal with every single day. Um, moving along, I think what people, I think there's, there's a fundamental, remember, remember I said that the 51 convention is a relic, it's, it's an old instrument and it does not suit mm-hmm. um, modern definitions of conflict, disaster, and war. I think that that term economic migrant is used to villainize people for trying to seek a better life But I also think that there's a difference between trying to seek a better life because if you go back, you will starve to death and trying to seek a better life because, you know, like I'll use myself, for instance, I want to work as an entertainer in the entertainment industry. I know that to write for movies, that would mean that I would need to go to live in the US. You know, people go just to, you know, I'm just using myself because I am not a refugee and um, I would be what one, an economic migrant because I want to go to school I want to do a PhD I want to get a job in the United States um, but um, <laughs> I mean refugees here when you're talking about economic migration you're talking about leaving because you know your child you cannot get baby food for your child because right you, you have to break your and these are this is stories I've heard personally yeah because you have to break mm-hmm. your better parts. To to um for for gas to to you know so that you, you won't, um so for warmth um right. things things like that so that for instance there's you know there's a story I heard of one person who was middle class that at uh, middle class sorry and who um you know had a degree just just like the rest of us who eventually realized that the food that his mother was giving him was growing smaller and smaller. So from eating spaghetti and meatballs, like a typical sort of middle-class meal, it was just ketchup, you know, and and then you kind of realize eventually you're losing weight and you're kind of yourself losing 20 pounds, 30 pounds, and you're kind of diminishing until you are nothing. Like these are actually actual things that I have been told by people face to face. And... Um, And that's that's what I mean. We use this term economic migration to villainize people. We say that Venezuelans coming in are illegal, but we don't give them other options. And when I say we, I mean specifically the government. I'm not afraid to say that. We don't give them other legal options for coming. In fact, we make the options more difficult. We impose visas, um, which are difficult to get in Venezuela to travel to Trinidad. And so, um, and I mean, that is how it works. In, in for instance, if you uh, and I know I'm rambling, but I have I have so many points to make and I will stop so that other people can talk. but for instance, you look at Kamala Harris right and what she said in Guatemala mm-hmm. and the fact that what she said is also incredibly misinformed um, because you can't tell people not to cross a border if it is that they are fleeing for their lives and if it is that they are relying on a a tool of international law and a convention to do so in order to exercise their right to seek asylum, moving right along. Um, Basically, policies of deterrence have been researched and found not to be effective. So for instance, when I say policies of deterrence, I mean trying to find ways to, to strengthen borders, trying to find ways to turn people back, mm. trying to find ways to tell people not to come. They don't work. Mm. This is what the research shows because people who are desperate enough to come, will come. People come who, regardless. they will come regardless. So, yeah. tr- I mean, mm. Trump had some Bill of the old. coolest, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Trump had some <laughs> of the coolest, strictest, most embarrassing and most shameful ways of of um of trying to stop people from coming, you know, tearing children apart from their um their parents. Parents, yeah. Um, which, if you are on any side of the political fence, you you cannot deny that that is a cruel thing to do. Um, that's it. It did not stop. Um, it did, yeah, it didn't stop people. It did not stop really. people from coming, even during. COVID, there were measures, I mean, the U.S. put a measure in place that basically said because of COVID, we have a right to, um, to to reject you at the border. Um, what that did, because of COVID, it did not stop people from coming. It stopped the category of people who were coming. So it stopped families from coming. Instead, you would see single adults coming. So basically, what that means is that human will is stronger. If you want to save your child's life, you see that kind of love? It's like Harry Potter. Mm-mm. It's strong. Right, it's stronger. Right, right. It's stronger than anything. <clears throat> yeah. It's yeah. stronger than any policy, any mm-hmm. border, any anything. Any government can do. If my child, I don't have a child, but basically, if I had one, and I know that, and, and I knew that that right now I had to leave because life or death, as a woman,
0: mm-hmm.
4: I go. You know, yes. Yes. like I, yes. I, I, yes. I will take that risk because right. if it is that I die here or I might live somewhere else, of course I'm going to try to live. Right, of
0: course. So so you kind of touched on it a little bit, uh, um, Amanda, and I'm going to bring this to Matthew. So Amanda, Amanda mentioned that uh, women have their specific struggles in becoming migrants, and you see the dynamics of the type of people that come. You see families don't come. So what, what are the struggles that you have seen or heard of or experienced, like from... St- the struggles that men face when they are migrants, because sometimes uh, you always hear these stories that the men go and leave the children and send for the child after, or send for the wife after, and things like that. What, what can you give us, like, a male perspective on that side of things?
3: Um, well, I would say first of all that um, the, the, there's there's many challenges that apply to most, or perhaps even to, to, to all uh, all persons here seeking asylum. Of- Uh, Just, you know, the the very journey to get to Trinidad and Tobago sometimes is quite a precarious one. Uh, Persons are often, uh, in in addition to being sort of like, you know, having to leave their home in a very, very quick manner, sometimes uh, overnight, sometimes without any notice, having to just grab whatever belongings they have around them. And then having to seek refuge and travel by whatever means is available to them uh, is dangerous. Um, it, it puts certain categories of person more at risk, for example, uh, children and women are, are usually, you find, uh, more, more likely to become victims of trafficking, based on the profiles that we see of persons coming in. Um, persons with specific needs, uh, with, with physical disabilities, may, may find it a bit more difficult to make the journey and so on. Uh, so that's just, the, that's just the the transit part of it. When, when arriving here, uh, persons, uh, one of the biggest challenges, of course, the language barrier. So persons who simply cannot effectively communicate the reason to be in here or cannot communicate effectively their circumstances uh, the lack of legal documentation is is often quite an impediment even though um you know it, it should be it should be recognized that people who are fleeing don't often have the the opportunity to, to have the documents that they they should have when making international travel um, and then you have uh, aside from I mean I, I think it's quite well documented, these socioeconomic issues that stem from the lack of right of to work and study, um, labor exploitation, and so on that happens. Uh, you, you regularly hear stories of non-nationals uh, doing the same job as locals and being paid a fraction of the, oh, of the salaries of sure. locals yeah. are paid. For example, um, oftentimes you'd hear things like employers uh, seizing passports and, and documents of workers to, to keep them on um and, and to sort of like continue exploit, so a lot of exploitation happens, and that is not specific to men. Um, it, it, it happens across the board. Uh, right. uh, a big risk factor faced by by children is the lack of uh, access to the formal education system. Uh, children,
1: yeah, education
3: is important not only as a as a as a way and a means to to help a child to grow and develop, uh, to become a productive uh, adult, but also in 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 situations of conflict education is the, the number one sort of like protective tool that helps to mitigate trauma, that helps to build a child's resilience, and that helps to sort of give them the tools necessary to self-actualize and live the best life that they can live in the future, right? So the, the right, fact right, that there right. is um, uh, not access to formal education here is, is is a huge concern for for children who are here. Uh, persons with specific needs and persons with, uh, with very serious health concerns, for example, um, uh, there's a imperfect access to healthcare. So uh, generally speaking, non-nationals can access primary healthcare, care, um, but, but, but beyond the primary level, um, there, there's no sort of like public access to them. And as we all know, private health, health is quite expensive and can be quite exclusionary, particularly if the, the medical professionals don't speak the language um, of the persons of Clinton. Um But I would say, uh, notwithstanding the seriousness of all of those things, Perhaps the number one challenge that is faced by all refugees and asylum seekers around the world, and and is is not different here, is xenophobia uh, and and discrimination. Ah, boy. So, oh, you know, definitely, <laughs> and definitely. I'm not sure you want to come to come to that a bit later on, but that I would say that um, mm-hmm. that is something which um it's not unique to Trinidad and Tobago. Obviously, it's something yeah, which yeah. occurs all over the world. Yeah, we but, saw that uh, in Germany, that, uh, we saw it in the US. Any level, any level of xenophobia whatsoever is too high. Um, so it, mm-hmm. it, it's uh, which really, really does not only affect the the individual situation of people, but it really um it, it sort of like affects the narrative that we we sort of like build or, or that is that is socialized into us about uh, mm-hmm. human beings essentially, and, and it it causes people to dehumanize other humans. And that leads to a whole host of other social problems. So
4: It does. Um, right. Even, I, I know we want to get into xenophobia, which is a big, a big topic, but mm. I just want to, because sometimes these issues aren't humanized, I really want, right. to, t- I, I really want to bring it home. Um, right. What Machu was saying about, and even, and also to talk about women, which we could definitely talk about as part of xenophobia, it's all connected, but to bring what right. Machu said home, there was a Venezuelan cancer patient, and her name was Dominga Pagola. You would see it in the news day. This woman right. was 57. She was facing a form of cancer that was treatable. I had a friend, a Trini friend from the States who didn't fully understand the situation, message me and say, But AA, my friend went to the health center and and this was dealt with. And I had to explain to her, well, there are certain procedures that are inaccessible to Venezuelans. They can only access basic health care. So this person who could have received a life-saving procedure that she could not afford, did not. There was a GoFundMe set up by her family to raise funds for this woman. Um, I shared it on my social media. I put in some money. I was going really hard because I thought this woman would live. She did not live, she died. And the thing is that this, I don't think we can, I don't understand the stories that we, the levels of the stories that we do not hear of people who are disabled at their jobs and can't do anything about it because there's no system in place for them to seek restitution because all they have is a work permit exemption and nothing else. I don't think we understand the levels of, even for people who try to go back or people who can't pay their rent how much they are being taken advantage of by their landlords. And I specifically mean women in this case, in this situation. Mm. I do think we understand Mm. that, I read a comment on Facebook, somebody had said, right? When they were talking about about rape, and I'm sorry, I have to use that word that is triggering for some. I don't think they understand Mm. the prevalence among Venezuelan women, and the fact that Mm. these stereotypes getting into into xenophobia, the, the stereotypes of, of cool. Venezuelan women as over and as fetishized, what that actually means when a Venezuelan woman has taken advantage of. We have to talk about these things because these are silent stories that people are, you know, people are holding close in shame because they are shameful, yeah. but they also, they're not yeah. shameful for the right people. The victim should never feel mm. ashamed. We should right. feel ashamed Definitely. for letting people within our borders down. And so, mm-hmm. it's, it's a real personal issue for me because it's like yeah, with that I have to keep a real straight face. And, and I mean, I know I know Matthew. Matthew actually dealt with these people more than I did because I was communications, and his his role is more on the ground, right? But you have mm-hmm. to keep a straight face in the face of such death and suffering. And the thing is that yes, of course, it happens to Trinidadians. Of course. Like my mother had a home for abused Trinidadian girls, so I've seen that as well. But right. the, the 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 kind of just we don't we don't see our government saying that you know there's different treatment coming from above. You know we don't see people who are suffering being villainized um when it comes to Trinidadians, you know, Trinidadians suffering are not villainized. Well actually the, the hmm, I might have to eat my words there. But what I mean is that, you know, there's a there's an agreement that that when Trinidadians suffer, we understand that they are suffering largely. But when it comes to people of another ethnicity, um we you know, some people can't see the suffering because there's a a a barrier of but they so and so, but they decide that, what and the xenophobia that comes in. And those are things we need to talk about because it's not it's not yeah. rational.
3: Yeah. Um yeah, Madhu, I wanna add, I add something to this quickly, if if I could. Um thank yeah, you so much yeah, for th- the yeah. bringing in some of those points. I just wanted to add as well. Um obviously COVID nineteen has affected everybody globally. I don't think there's anybody in the planet that has not been affected at somehow by COVID 19, but it's really important to remember as we as we outline uh, a lot of the challenges faced by refugees and asylum seekers in particular, the fact that the, the, the negative impacts of COVID 19 oftentimes are exacerbated for the most vulnerable, and refugees and asylum seekers are among the most vulnerable populations in, in, in the country right now, I would say. Um, so you find like uh, the majority of the, say, for example, the, the industries that have been shut, have been forced to be shut, are industries which are some of the most popular industries for, for refugees and asylum seekers to get employment in. Um, you know, prisons are still uh, bound to rental contracts and so on, and so you have many more people facing eviction. Um, the, the gender dynamic as well, the gender disparities become much more exacerbated as well under the COVID-19 situation. So you find, like, there may be certain types of work which, which um, men may find easier to get, but, uh, you know, like domestic work and so on, which which some other people may... may. Trinidad and Tobago has this, rec, you know, sort of like very, I guess, very antiquated uh, ideal of like, you know, gendered employment opportunities. And so, you know, these, these gendered opportunities that are usually given more most often to women are, are less, uh, sort of like less available. You also find like a lot of increased instances of domestic violence and abuse uh, by by Venezuelan partners, but also by by Trinidadian partners as well. Uh, so there, there's a, a real, a huge, um, uh, uh, if I would say, like a kind of very exacerbated um, series of effects that that really um, are, are much more hardly felt uh, in the refugee and asylum seeker community. And so it's really important, as we you know, obviously again, it, it's a it's a it's a time for solidarity and it's a time for everybody to sort of like mm-hmm. lift each other up. And as we do that, I think it's really important to understand the disparity, not only in, in, in access to services, but also the disparity in terms of how people are affected negatively by the current situation.
2: Yeah, but Definitely. Um, I, I mean, uh, uh, let, let me ask this uh, then, Matthew. I think a lot of people as well, to have to you know, become aware of the reality of the situation. Which is that, you know, Venezuela has close upwards of uh, IOM's numbers is is close to 5.4 million, um, you know, migrants that basically leaving and crossing different borders. You have 1.8 million going over to Colombia, uh, 253,000 to Brazil, 861,000 to Peru, 455,000 to Chile. Um, And if it is you have that level, of people moving in that direction, but Trinidad only has, the you know, the, the impact on Trinidad is just 40,000 40 to 60,000. Um, wouldn't you say that, you know, the government then has a responsibility, and this, of course, is not one party or the other, this is just the entity of the government, has a responsibility to at least have systems to be able to deal with a influx of refugees of migrants of less than of around four percent of your country's population
3: um well well here's what I will say to that and uh, Amanda you can chime in um, we, I'm sure. sure you'd have a lot to say about this as well but um first of all like the, the the entire region has been has been affected in a way by by the the situation in Venezuela so this number you call a 5.4 million uh, I, I wouldn't call them migrants I would say 5.4 million displaced persons. Uh, right. to the mm-hmm. situation, um, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, Trinidad and Tobago, obviously, being one one of the closest countries, um, will receive uh, a proportionally high number of persons just just because of the geographical proximity. But uh, the, this 5.4 million people and the number is growing daily uh, is spread out across the entire Latin America and the Caribbean region. The good thing is, though, that um, the governments don't have to operate in isolation, right? There is currently um, a situation response for, for the Venezuela crisis, which is essentially a consortium of um, UN agencies partnering together with governments, with local agencies in different countries to collectively uh, coordinate the response for the Venezuela situation in the region. Uh, they collectively lobby for funds. They help to standardize uh, certain types of responses um, to divert um, or, or to channel funds that are, that are procured to the most um, sort of like pressing priorities in each of the countries where it operates so um, all the countries that are part of the of the of the of the situation response um, can benefit from the the joint resources and and from you know technical expertise and so on so you know it, it the, the no government is operating in, in a silo or in a vacuum um, mm-hmm. at the end of the day sovereign nations all have the the, the right um, to to sort of like determine, uh, it's not for UNHCR or for anybody else, to determine, you know, what is the capacity of any particular country to accept refugees. And I, I don't even think that there is any reliable measure that even a government can, can necessarily use to, ju- to, to, mm. to come up with a number for how many is the capacity. Uh, but I, what I would do is I would urge people again to just think about what I said earlier, which was that the COVID-19 situation uh, will, will continue to affect um Will continue to affect refugees and asylum seekers much more adversely. Um, uh, I think throughout the entire COVID nineteen pandemic, something like 168 countries would have put some form of border border closure measures in place, right? Uh, and 90 of those countries um, made no exception for refugees and asylum seekers, meaning that. But but at the same time, the conflicts and so on continue to to, to, to rage right. on in countries forcing mm-hmm. So you find like more and more people who are forced to leave their country and, and sort of like less and less avenues for them to sort of like safely safely seek shelter. So the situation really is is, is a dire one. And so the, the UNHCR as well as other UN agencies exist really to help support government. Um, and, and we remain committed obviously to, to support the government and to work with the government. We have a good working relationship with them, but we remain committed to sort of like help build capacity, um, help to divert with resources, help to not just resources that we can mobilize internally, but to, to apply for grants and so on, to sort of like help the situation here. So there are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of benefits to sort of like participating in this mass joint coordination for protection. Uh, it means that uh, the, any country, and Trinidad and Tobago included, will, will, will really have the benefits of, of all of these resources and expertise and so on, to help them sort of like better deal with the, with the magnitude of the crisis.
2: Mm-hmm. Definitely, Amanda. Amanda, what do you think?
4: Can you just repeat the original question? I was just five minutes. Yeah. yeah. So, so is, it,
2: it, 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 is it? Yeah. Is it is it that the governments have a response because it's tied to the xenophobic right. sort of thing? Because a lot of people look at the xenophobic perspective as a sort of go-to, like a frustration then, and they were like, you know, right. just get rid of the problem, but not understanding that, in my mind, from the numbers. Right. This is something that will always be part of what needs to be managed by our government, so exactly. xenophobia really isn't a, a a legitimate response the response is really <laughs> thinking not. about let me see let me see if I get the the terminology correct um detection prevention and response so it's right. a matter of really thinking about the capacity of what systems are being affected
0: right and
2: how are you going to build that capacity as 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 a government entity in order to treat with this reality. In other right. words, not taking you know, a sort of ostrich head in Islam approach. Do you, do you think right. government has a responsibility in, in that?
4: A hundred percent. States mm-hmm. are sovereign and they are responsible for managing, protecting, maintaining their borders, as well as the people inside of them. Um, I think you, hit, you are hitting the nail on the head for every international worker who has had to deal with this issue in that this is the frustration The issue has been politicized to the point where the government's response is one of continuing to call Venezuelans economic migrants despite the fact that it is proven that that is not actually the case, has continued to again um, suggest or allude to the fact that there's a refugee policy being developed while we have not seen anything, Um, sort of make us think that a refugee policy is something that is a free-for-all, it's like an open door when a refugee policy is exactly what you are describing. It is a procedure, it is a tool, it is a mechanism. It will show everyone from the refugee unit that sits inside the Ministry of National Security to um, the police stations who um, might detain Venezuelans um, to the courts, um, to international workers themselves how to operate. Because right now, there's a gray area in which refugees are coming. Some refugees have a work permit exemption, but their children, I mean, when they go to work, their children cannot, there's no way for their children to go. Um,
0: Exactly. Mm.
4: So there needs to be a comprehensive managed system, and that system needs to be differentiated and needs to be separated from this sort of political idea that having a system in place means that you are welcoming refugees in or that you are opening your borders a system is used to manage because as you said and as we had we had both said before people will not stop coming unless the root cause of why they are coming is yeah, fully I mean, addressed
0: yeah.
4: um, I mean that was the other part of, of Kamala Harris's conversation that did not get as much publicity. But she was also saying, and I don't agree with her at all, but she was also saying essentially that um, she would be working with the Mexican government and working with the Guatemalan government you know, to, to, with microfinancing of loans and with soft use of corruption that would lead to people having to leave. Um, and that is the thing. Again, deterrence does not, does not work. Instead, what you have to do is to expand legal pathways so you know, help people to come in legally who can, and also, um, while also addressing you know, a lack of asylum system that is state-run, while also addressing the root causes for people leaving in the first place. And rightly so, Trinidad cannot alone. Trinidad, people say Trinidad is a tiny island, and if we're looking at it on a good scale, the stats really do show that most refugees actually are housed in developing nations. So when Kamala Harris says, and I, I don't know why I keep going back to it, I guess it's just in my mind, but when she said, when, you know, when developed countries enforce strict immigration policy in violation of the convention, what that means is that those people who, who will lose the opportunity to then resettle in those countries or to, or to or not to, not to reset a different process, but to to attempt to seek asylum in those countries they are you know essentially housed in places like mexico they are they are and you know mexico also receives refugees from other countries and mm. um what that essentially means is that you know to a degree i understand the government's frustration in that um, it says that Trinidad is a tiny country however i would love to see the research on capacity because you can you can't analyze capacity of institutions to see, for instance, I mean, we've been doing it for COVID to see how many beds are available, et cetera, et cetera. Right. You can analyze capacity mm-hmm. of institutions. Um, yes. have our institutions been taxed by refugees? I I haven't seen any release from the government, you know, proving this. So, what I would say is that if it is that you even at the very beginning, where is the where is the data and where is the research? Why is it immediately A to Z, with Z being we cannot let these people in? On what basis? On what grounds? Who have you consulted? Which, which social, behavioral, urban planners, um, scientists have you consulted with to, to determine this? And where is this information publicly available? I would love to see it, first of all. So going back to your right. point, going back to your point, yes a hundred percent our government has a responsibility and i think also some of the rhetoric it is using on the other on the other side i empathize it with the fact that developing countries you know shoulder the burden on. but on the other side as matthew said there are pacts there's a global compact for refugees there is um there is the um the r4v platform which which matthew said and again again jargon and, and acronyms and so on but basically there are actual agreements that countries, governments across Latin America are working towards that seek to shoulder the burden of the responsibility of refugees. And I hardly ever see these kinds of and agreements brought up conversation. It's always Trinidad cannot. And the thing is that, okay. So in the same way that we can, we can go the prime minister can advocate with the WHO for vaccine equity for its own people and say, we are a tiny nation and we are not privy, we are in the same way that other countries are to receiving vaccines. Why can it not on a global stage also take that position and say, we are a tiny nation, you know, and I know that way. (laughs) You know, I know diplomacy does not work this way but i'm this is why i'm not a diplomat i'm an activist essentially <laughs> right. why 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 is it that we cannot also take that stance and say if it is that we are a tiny nation um can we be hospitable to refugees while also advocating that developed countries shoulder the burden as well
1: definitely mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. Um, you know when, when it when I think about what you're saying, there seems to be a, a bit of a imbalance in how the situation is being handled. Um, you know, there is a lack of policy, a lack of action on, on the part of the government, right? Um, when it comes to seeking asylum and all these things, we can see that there is not enough resources put in to make the process as easy as it should right Mm -hmm. now what what i'm really trying to to figure out is do you think that the the government is holding back on as you said is it that it looks like if they were to take this um seriously and put more efforts into it that it might have they think that they might get a blowback from their their electorate or so on do you think that it is just that they are they are pandering to to the people of Trinidad and Tobago by making these decisions not to take the the crisis as serious as they are?
4: I think that it's a few things, um, Matthew, Do you want to take this at all, or, or? Uh,
3: I I mean I'm I'm not in a position personally right. to sort of like make um make I I don't feel qualified enough to sort of like make right. any any judgments of of um. Of of the government process, I I don't think is is I don't think it's necessarily fair to say that they don't take the crisis seriously. And again, I just want to reiterate that obviously, uh, you know, the the, the responsibility is ultimately the government for, for governance of the country, right? So they they have the right to sort of like select their own policies and so on. They have the as a sovereign nation. Um, you know, I I do believe that across the board, um, and this is not specific to Trinidad, like more, more can be done. And it's, this is not only involved the government. I think it is it is also important not to put the government in a vacuum, because the reality is that the government also does uh, rely on international civil society, but also local actors and, and and relies on people as well to sort of like help inform them, to keep them in check, and so on. So uh, the BOC definitely doesn't stop with the government, but but all, all citizens really have a stake in the situation. Right. Um, but as right, right, much right, as right. I will say on that, Commander. But
1: but. But it seems to be kind of like a like like this kind of bounce bouncing bubble kind of you know because you're saying that the citizens need to need to show this interest, but then if you know that we're in a in a in a nation where we have this kind of callousness that is rife, you know, in society, and the pe- people on top don't you know take it upon themselves to go with robust educational campaigns about the situation you know how are we supposed to really expect the people to actually um you know change their 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 what seems to be the the running right the running um Mm -hmm. you know perspective among people because okay i just want to talk about you know we put out an ad for this um for this episode and it got a lot of traction, right? Um, more traction than anything we ever put out. I don't know what really was oh, wow. the, the 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 situation for that. And the 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 ad, you know, had an image of the boat and all of that, you know. So it probably put tug at people' heartstrings. And it's just basically xenophobic rhetoric, you know. That's all that that really mm-hmm. came out of that that ad. And you know, um, I, I what, this this xenophobia comes from this fear that mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that. That you know we don't have you know, the resources for Venezuelans. We don't mm-hmm. have the the space for them. They're going to come and take all the jobs. They're going to come and do this. Just now, you know, they're going to take over. It, where where does that come from? Who can I know? Anybody can answer this. This isn't for any particular you know person to answer as, as a panel. Where do we think that this this fear comes from? You know, as mm-hmm. people who are all are all children of of immigrants, right? i'm sorry if i was dropping there guys um but um hopefully you guys you guys hearing me and what what i'm I'm really trying to to say is that when we when we look at look at the brass stacks out there on the streets right there is you know it's it's really a, a lot a lot of callousness and a lot of racism and all of this you know what i mean and and um I just want to know what we think can be done about it. You know, what can yeah. be done? Because it, it, it's serious. It's really, really, I mean, you read any the comments there, what you, you said it yourself, Amanda, what people go through, what do women go through, you know, like how, how, how do we battle this? How do we, and who, who I mean, everybody has to play a part. So where does, where do we start? You know? Yeah,
4: that's a, that's a hard question. Um, I mean, I've been comments you know but it's a it's a it's a question we need to answer um Mm -hmm. and i've been looking at the comments and people have been asking it you know how do we get how do we eradicate xenophobia how can i help as an individual um and i think that i mean when you say it's multi-layered it is multi-layered right um and the same way that we see that there's a lack of a um of a cohesive vaccination campaign from the government um i think -hmm. it's the same thing i have heard anti xenophobia ads on the radio that have been just as offensive. It's it's like mm. a, a a weird exaggerated Spanish accent, um, mm-hmm. a, 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 and uh, a Venezuelan accent, I should say. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, who who approved this? Like, what? <laughs> it's it's, it's so, just like, yeah,
1: it's so dumb. It's so dumb, you know. It's
4: so weird, yeah, and yeah, I'm and just yeah. like, they are. And it's the same thing with the vaccination issue. There are so many people. There are so many great thinkers and minds in this country like have a think tank put together and I mean mm-hmm. there are pe- there are lots of people working on this by the way and I don't want to discredit that there are people burning out working on this but people are right. working, from my experience a lot of different silos um mm-hmm. based on mm-hmm. on like lines of funding you know where's your funding coming from um based on um on different ministries and different units um, UNHCR tries to be an aggregator of people, but it sometimes is, I mean, the r 4 v platform is, that's what it's supposed to be, but it doesn't always work out that way. You know, you'll see, like, different pockets of people who are really trying to help. Um, I think that in the same way that, um, and I've, I've studied, like, I've studied this to try to find the answer, and for me, I think it's the same approach as you would take if you're convincing somebody the vaccine, right? Um, my, um, and, and that doesn't negate, you know, years of, of, um, of again, kind of Venezuelan Trinidadian tensions and so on. But you have to kind of get intimate with it. You have, to go, you have to go to, I think, the simplest common denominator, which is like a family unit. And so when it is that you hear your partner or your relative talking about refugees or Venezuela or the Venice or whatever, to cut them and say, no, that's not the case. Because if you don't do it, who mm-hmm. will? And then that, you know, spirals into okay, maybe that person is the manager of a restaurant who is exploiting his workers and paying Venezuelans less. Maybe that person is inclined to assault, you know, it's like pull up your right. partner, pull up your friend. If it is that, you, if it is that your father's a business or your mother's a abys- Yeah, um. I don't know if, if you could see it says the stream is kind of cutting up so I hope you can hear me but um
1: yeah we, we're, we're hear you know we hear you know it just cut up a little bit but we're hearing you know we're hearing you know
4: okay mm-hmm. okay cool that's what I would say I mean I would also say things like I mean COVID makes it difficult but you know consider things like um like going to Living Water or UNHCR if it is that you are um are seeking a particular kind of service um, you know, for instance, somebody who, could, who might be able to teach you Spanish and has actually learned um, through your church, through local organizations, um, actually um, working, you know, if, if you belong to a religious group, working with them to find, to find ways to, you know, to get food to, to Venezuelans. Um, but I think also it is about uh, counteracting the negative messages, about having conversations. I think the conversations thing is, is, is one of the most important that as you said, that can by itself. You know, I was the hardest lesson yeah. I had to learn that. I can't mm-hmm. change Trinidad by myself. Um, I, can't change, I can't counteract messages coming from the government that are heavily politicized because, you know, um, they might want mm-hmm. to, to, to please an electorate or because right. they might be competing with the opposition who is also xenophobic or because, right. you know, it's it's like I can't compete mm-hmm. with that. So I think what really needs to happen is, is a greater degree of opinion, um, a greater degree of empathy. And I hope, I mean, a change has happened, a shuffle has happened in the cabinets that I hope will yield some positive results. Because yeah, is an issue. But another thing, bef- I know you kind of want to move on, but mm-hmm. another thing I would say is that to ki- what I'm beginning to do is to also understand. I used to be real angry. Uh, and Katy, you would probably know because we're Facebook friends, right? I used mm-hmm. to be real angry at Trinidadians and used to basically yeah. take no prisoners. But aye, I, c- under- I kind of had to understand something, which is that mm-hmm. there's a, you know, that, that, that um, feeling that, for instance, Venezuelan women are prettier or more attractive that then leads to them being more at mm-hmm. risk or at risk for assault. Mm-hmm. That feeling, the, the outcome, horrible. But the feeling... Mm-hmm legitimate because it comes from mm-hmm. a space of being told that you know as darker skinned people you might not be as attractive as Trinidadians you might not be attra- attractive I start to understand a little bit more. It's like that feeling that people will take your jobs. If you look at the research, that does actually happen. <laughs> Refugees tend to be entrepreneurs and they tend to add to economies. This is this is this is a fact. But yeah. Yeah. you know, a lot the government registration process happened right after Petrotrin you know layoffs, so of course people mm-hmm. were feeling as though Trinidad is in a, is yeah. is in a shaky state, and that leads them to you know all of the rhetoric. Was well, so that's un- basically eh? kind of understanding but not agreeing?
1: It's just so sad mm-hmm. because because OT is just mm-hmm. you know it's so shaky you know all the time with so mm-hmm. much shit and and. Mm-hmm. You know, beep the average person. Just I guess, it is a kind of you know some kind of survival instinct kicking in here that that we sh- that is sadly where we at as people because it's like as soon as you step out your door, it's like survival. and if it is this kind of thing now. You know, so I don't know. It just real confusing at times and it's very sad. There was um, a, I I think at this point in time, Torian, we'd want to take in some of the 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 comments. Before you move questions. on,
3: you move on yeah, I, know, I, know, yeah, I want to ask something real quick. Um, yeah, it, no problem, no problem. Sorry to, sorry to mm-hmm. cut to you. Um, just to say that, uh, in addition to everything, obviously, Amanda said, uh, they, 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 even though there's a lot of xenophobia that definitely does exist, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's really important to point out that there's also quite a lot of, uh, like many people who are, are very sympathetic and empathetic to the situation. There are a lot of individuals, um, formal and informal groups, local organizations who, who who do do a lot. And, and so I think it's really important to connect if you do care about the situation and you are passionate about it. In addition to getting more information and information is out there, there are many, many sources of information that I and my colleagues will be happy to point you to, to give you more context into the entire situation, both abroad and locally, but more yeah. so, and more than just having these dialogues because these dialogues are important, but it's really important to, to act um, as individuals. So when you see, when you see, if you encounter Uh, A non national, Uh, someone discloses to you, they're a refugee, they're an asylum seeker, they're a migrant. If you can get to know them, Uh, overcoming language barriers is a great skill for everybody. I've never heard anybody say that learning another language or understand another culture to be a negative thing. So the more we can actually engage in the practices of of bridging the gap between one another, so having these discussions, um, connecting to the information, but also Join in the efforts that exist or forming your own efforts within your community. If you find or if you know of someone in your community, a refugee and asylum seeker who who maybe seen some trouble, maybe you can show just it doesn't have to be anything big, but show show them some good neighbourly Trinidadian hospitality and so on. And that that really is where I think the these seeds are planted and where the, the situation can change. You know, we, we have we are we have to be the one. We are the vanguard of this. We are citizens of Trinidad and Tobago. And this is right. much to the, not much to the UNHCR, Senior Community Based Techno this is Matthew the Trini um, saying that, like, I, I, I have a lot of faith, despite some of the things we see daily on social media. I have a lot of faith in the spirit of our people. And I, I really feel as if, like, now is the time in this exceedingly difficult mm-hmm. moment that we are all facing. Now is the time for us to kind of rise up and really, like, embody, uh, you know, a lot of the things that we... That we evoke when talking about our, our independence and our, our vibrancy and so on is rooted in this idea of diversity, this idea of acceptance, and it's this idea that we are more than just the sum of our parts, you know, and, and we have mm-hmm. an intricate history with, not only with Venezuela, but with Latin American countries in general, right. Uh, right. A, a huge influence mm-hmm. on our culture. And so we need to sort of like recognize these things and yeah. sort of value some of these things and use them as building blocks to really bridge the divide that exists.
0: Everybody vexed I mean, with, with Spanish until it's Christmas time. Yeah. I'm Parang pastel.
1: I mean, where Parang come from? You understand? Um and when you look at the news, you know, you see that there's the, 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 the Venezuelan fisherman who given out um fish if not if I'm not mistaken, things like mm-hmm. that. You see these yeah. kind of gestures of solidarity and brotherhood. These people are not just here to leech off anything, you know. These are human beings who want to come and and you know they have they they, they are, as we spoke about earlier are asylum seekers right god forbid mm. that there's a day when m- me myself you know i have to become an asylum see- seeker do i want to go somewhere and everybody say well what she what she what she you understand i i mm. mean people put, put yourself there put yourself there not far-fetched you know right? i do find it far-fetched right i mean if somebody say in the comments there yeah. there was also the the story about the, the um is it a boxer let's see the person who um, yes, yes yes
2: yes who 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 got the scholarship to go to um, refugee scholarship to go to the Olympics and he confirmed right. he going to the Olympics and so on. now and from Venezuela, you know.
4: Right, right. Uh, you know, so
2: competing on that, yeah. So it's it's
1: not it's not all doom and gloom you know, people. You know, we, we we when you think about it, we're a young nation and we're we're still developing and our history shows us that you know that. People come to this land and, and we all bring something here and we live in this Kalalu, as we say. So, I mean, I don't know what it is we're so afraid of, but um, let's take some of the questions here, Torian. So, question one from Narad A pirog has been spotted crossing the seven <laughs> mile mark, heading for <laughs> Citrus. The uh-huh. TT government, TTCG, police prepares to receive A, economic migrants, B, refugees, asylum seekers, or C, a mix. Anybody want to tackle <laughs> that? Oh,
4: and wow. if so, <laughs> that. That's a safety question. Yeah. Um, well, okay. Machi, do you want to ask somebody I, the, who currently? I would say that. that I would say that.
3: To? Ideally, ideally, the you know the, the the if the if the coast guard is present, obviously, then they have their procedures. So they, they, they greet the vessel and they, they sort of like interview. The persons who are there mm-hmm. uh, find out why they are there uh, it, it mm-hmm. should be common knowledge that a lot of these boats are coming from uh, lands that speak spanish so hopefully mm-hmm. there would be the capacity to be able to communicate with the persons there on the vessel to understand a bit more about the situation and it's really important i guess to a lot if, if there is a sense that persons are seeking us- oh if there's a
1: oh, sense that they're seeking asylum plan. He'll, he'll be back. If there's a yeah. sense that they're seeking asylum, I would go. I know he would. Mm. He's getting to the point that um yeah, yeah. that most most likely that the protocol should be that they would go to the channels. But Amanda, just to touch on something, or or Matthew, if you could, if Matthew's back here. So you're at the point where mm. you say if they if they are seeking asylum, if you establish that they're seeking asylum, Matthew, yeah.
3: you're saying there, there's no there's no way there's no way to spot to spot a vessel and automatically under automatically know what the reason is there there would need right. to be some mm-hmm. interaction. And I mean, we we've we've already spoken in, in some detail as to what the process looks like locally mm-hmm. and and what we mm-hmm. feel the process should look like. Um obviously mm-hmm. we you know the we, we do not we we are not advocating for the coast guard and so not to do their jobs. Obviously yeah. the local enforcement, law enforcement have their mandates and, and they 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 have to uphold the laws of the country, and that is understood, and that is uh, I mean the, the bare minimum that is expected of them are, of, Persons who are expected to do to do their jobs right, but we, we what we advocate for really is is a bit more understanding as to the reasons uh, behind why these vessels mm-hmm. may be there in the first place. Uh, understanding right. of, uh, for example, uh, what these people are, are really fleeing, and then this this is more than just seeing the condition of a boat and so on. Is really understanding what's going on on a day to day basis in the world and basically making an informed decision based on what is presented before you. So you know, obviously mm-hmm. you. you I mean I, I would dare to think that he, it, it, it is fairly sort of like a lot easier potentially to to distinguish between say, you know, a boat a boat filled with women and children and, and, and families and so on versus like other types of, of vessel that maybe you know. So I, I would just say that the processes exist for, for this reason to ensure that people are not unfairly um sort of like discriminated against. And I I must continue to sort of like advocate that that, that Ideally, should be what the procedure is, you know.
4: Mm-hmm. Definitely. I want to answer the question too. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. I will answer that question as as a student who comes with the time and answer. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and I from a country, Jamaica, a Caribbean country that actually has a refugee policy. So you can understand what I mean by and mechanism. The Jamaican refugee policy states. Where an individual is dead on land or where he or she arrives by sea, the JCF, um, um, which I believe is the Jamaican Defense Force, sorry, I should know this, um, should be the official point of contact. No, sorry, the the JCF is is the Coast Guard. Where an individual is, is rescued at sea by the Jamaica Defense Force, he or she shall be entrusted to the care or custody of the JCF. The appropriate divisional officer of the JC- JCF shall, where possible, language and medical condition permitting a certain information from the individual, such as his or her name, country of origin and date of and reason for departure of his or her country. The JCF shall inform the Ministry of National Security within twenty four hours about the arrival of such persons. The appropriate divisional officer shall, where necessary, etc, 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 etc. So what I mean, mm-hmm. I, 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 mm-hmm. you know, I, that is me making my point, which is that right. there should be no mm-hmm. guesswork. There should not there be should a B or C. There should be mm-hmm. a procedure which clearly identifies if a member of the Coast Guard locates a boat out at sea, here is the procedure that is taken.
1: And we don't have those procedures yeah. set in stone here early and truly.
4: We have, nope, all we have is an Immigration Act that criminalizes okay. illegal entry.
1: And there you have it, folks. And there you have it. Question from Saeed. What do the government, local institutions need to re- do to reduce the exploitation of refugees, migrants? So we had that early. That was probably um, asked earlier. I and mean, know we touched on that. But if we want to put it in a nutshell.
3: I would say the, 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 most, the, the most impactful thing that, that possibly could be done would be uh, improving access to, to basic rights, so um, uh, access to right to work and studies to earn, to earn decent wages and so on, um, I think you'll find that the uh, vast majority of people that I have encountered uh, in the context um, are, are people who, who, regardless of what background they come from, are really sort of like willing to do whatever they can to sort of like help themselves and their families to survive. Um, they, they, they just really are looking for the, the, the right to work safely um to have to, to have some job security and to not be exploited so so putting putting policies in place to ensure that I think would would not only be helping Trinidad and tobago to sort of like better better um, uh, accede to its responsibilities under the, the refugee convention but would also go a long way to improving the situation um, and I think yeah just also uh, you know uh, an honest examination of of laws and policies. Uh, informed by data and informed by evidence so speaking to refugees and asylum seekers and actually understanding not just going off of what the prevailing nav- narrative is but using the, the, the stories and the actual anecdotes from people and what they have experienced and particularly the negative experiences that they have that they have had under the current or on current systems not as a way to to, to be or to admonish anybody but to use in a constructive way to improve policies uh, to, to plug gaps and I think it, it's, it requires a considered effort. It will obviously require, um, you know, the, the, the government to prioritize it, but it will also require co- uh, continued cooperation and collaboration with UN agencies, international bodies, and other local actors. So,
1: Definitely.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: From An- Angel de Dios.
2: Angel. Angel.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, Anhel. Mm-hmm. Angel. What future is anticipated for the Venezuelan migrants in TNT? I
4: mm. hope a future that you deserve and a mm. future that all humans deserve. Um, I hope it is a future that sees you and your children having the rights to an education. I hope it is a future that sees you being able to have whatever educational certification that you've arrived with um, evaluated mm. and um, and the word isn't coming to me um, and translated and, and, and given a chance to actually help you to get better jobs
2: Definitely. in reality.
4: I don't know if that's going to happen, but I really, really hope it will.
1: Mm-hmm. What do either of the guests here, think about the relationship between our government and the Venezuelan government with respect to this issue. Anybody can chime in on that? What do you think about our government's relationship with the Venezuelan government when it comes to this issue?
4: Can I just thank Siobhan for saying accredited, which was the word I was struggling for. Um... Uh,
3: yes, yes. <laughs> the accreditation horn.
4: Oh my God.
3: Man like the that. The accreditation <laughs> <horn>. <laughs> Um, right. I, I, I am not personally in a position to to make any comments on that aspect of yeah. it. But what I will say is that uh, organizations like UNHCR, they, they have its mandate regardless. Our mandate is focused on people. And uh, regardless of, of whatever relationship mm. that exists, um, we, we, we are mandated to sort of like protect the rights of displaced persons. And so we are basically informed in our work by, by the various international institutions um, Instruments which not only guide, uh, which not only form the basis of our very existence, but which also, you know, broadly ascribe what the responsibilities of us are, what the responsibilities of different countries are. So um, we we are very much guided by 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 those by a rights-based approach. Um, obviously, it's important to be cognizant of of what the socio-political climate is. Um, but like I say, me as an individual, I'm not really in a position to comment. I'm not tonight.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Amanda, anything there? Anything there, Amanda?
4: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> can we not use the weird venues? Just looking at the questions. Yes, we should never use the weird venues. I have been I have sat in rooms with media professionals who have justified the use of the weird venues because it's too long for a headline as though mm-hmm. Trinidadian is not also a long word, just mm-hmm. so we know the levels. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, are we aware? My question, I I don't um, oh, and oh. This question is actually about media. Um, But the question before about the the relationship, Mani Singh has said, are we aware of the relationship? And I don't think anything. I just have so many questions. I I don't fully Mm. understand um, (laughs) how the, I don't fully understand what is being received on both sides of a seemingly comfortable political relationship between both of our governments. I don't fully understand. why it is that our government cannot uh, is 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 in a political position where it has to deny the existence of refugee and instead said prefers to say economic migrants? I don't fully understand. Um, I don't think I have reached that level of 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 knowledge. I don't think I've graduated <laughs> to that level of knowledge to fully understand um, why it is that the heights,
3: the too much heights. The, the
4: heights. I don't. I don't <laughs> understand. I don't understand the <laughs> I don't understand. Hopefully don't one day fully... we get
1: them in room to show you the heights. you know? Listen,
4: I, I don't, I don't, but that is the gist of it. Like I said, mm-hmm. I'm not a diplomat. So maybe that's why I don't get it. But I don't fully understand what is the benefit of the relationship of on either side politically and why it is justifying, um, you know, violations of conventions and, um, and human rights abuses. That's, Definitely. I don't I don't fully understand it. Um,
1: well, it's simple, straightforward question here. too. we have an embassy there. Yeah,
4: yeah we it's do?
1: Okay, All right, and right. On, <laughs> <with us>. there, <laughs> was a, there was a there was a Is media anything, as well.
4: Yes. sorry, sorry. Is there sorry.
1: anything that can be done about the way the media portrays Venezuelan migrants, like the use of the words Venice, etc.? Amanda, hit, hit me there for Amanda.
4: Um um yeah sorry there's a lot to say i was just i was just <laughs> looking at i was i was observing so many questions coming yeah, in. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah is there anything that can be done yeah my job actually used to be one in which i was right. was communications um associate at UNHCR it was my job to lead right. with the media um mm-hmm. what do i think can be done um i think more more conversations um, I think that that there's a need to understand how the media, and this is on the UNHCR side, and this is me like reflecting on, like really reflecting on, on things that I could have done better in my role, um, which was, you know, to understand how the media operates and that it is under some real pressure to churn out articles very quickly and to have headlines that are eye-catching and that those headlines will be xenophobic because xenophobia is eye-catching. And it is because that's, you know, that xenophobic headline saying the Venice so-and-so or two capture two Venice, one Trinidad. Like they know what they're doing, right? And it is to capture mm-hmm. attention. It is clickbait, really, um, to reason with them and to understand that they are creative. And when I say reason, I mean through workshops, through trainings, through conversations. Um, I think my parents are really enjoying CSI. I don't know why I hear so much yeah. <laughs> comment from me next <laughs> 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 but But basically... Um, to kind of to to have more conversations to understand that um, it is cre- the media is also complicit in creating a narrative and that also in countries and I know this is good from A to Z but in countries for instance that have you know suffered genocide um, the media's narrative is always complicit in a step you know it's, it's it escalates uh, you know it's an escalation of complicity from the media, from the government that leads to then one group being so alienated that, that atrocities are allowed to be committed against them. So I think we need to understand that the media plays a huge part, but also I think what we need to do is to train some of the young folks you know, who are learning at UE how to become um, media professionals, to help them mm-hmm. to, to ensure that Spanish is mandatory, to have programs where they understand how to, how to, um, how to cover these events so that when they are um, in control of the media, so to speak, that they understand, mm. you know, how to, how to manage yeah. it.
2: But how the narrative,
4: but, but, the, but the thing is that the, I have seen good media coverage. I have seen awful media coverage, but I think I would love to see more critical media coverage, media coverage that fact checks um, the government in ways that we see in America, um, media coverage that, will challenge the use of the term economic migrants um, mm-hmm. and media coverage that is more rooted in an understanding of of, um, of asylum systems and how they work. Re-
1: media coverage that is not afraid yes. to challenge certain things. There are certain things that yeah. need to be challenged and the media does not seek to challenge these things. They rather just go with some back and out story and everybody yes. read and say, oh, good boy, that is what going on there. Yeah. But to say that we take that that approach to challenge certain mindsets, certain um, how could guys, as they say, right? Mm. I mean, we could we could hope. We could hope. Um, mm. I'm seeing one here. I think our government um know what their relationship is with Venezuela better. There's one from Kamiram. What happens to refugees who have been unfortunately displaced from rental apartments due to eviction? Where can they go?
2: Hmm.
3: Mm. Um that, yeah, that's a tough one. And obviously mm. as the as the um as the, the situation rages on, the pandemic rages on as the as things continue to be closed, uh situation as I said continues to get worse and worse for, 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 for many people, for all persons regardless of nationality who are out of work by the situation. Um, I would say that UNHCR and its part. So UNHCR, first of all, I mentioned that we 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 don't operate in a silo here. We operate, um, and we are able to operate actually with the the collaboration of many many local and international organizations. So here locally, we we partner with um, three w- three main organizations: Living Water Community, the Reap Crisis Society of Trinidad and, Tobago, and the Family Planning Association of Trinidad and Tobago but we also frequently collaborate with a number of other organizations, such as La Casita, uh, Helping Hearts Association, Is It Not a Cause, and many others, the, the um, Archbishop's Office, the Archdiocesan uh, Ministry for Migrants and Refugees, etc., etc. Um, and cetera. So through this collaborative work, there does sort of like exist um, avenues to, to help people out. Um, obviously, these areas of assistance are in no... It, by no means a substitute for people having the ability to earn wages for themselves and definitely the number of resources available probably is not enough to to help out every single individual or family who is in in, in need of say money to pay their rent or so on but there there are uh, programs that exist so persons uh the UNHCR website which i can ask the TT website which i can ask the host to put up in a short while uh, does mm-hmm. outline uh, Services and us have links to different services and the different partner organisations. I would say that persons can also turn to local agencies. So oftentimes, your, your your local parish, your local religious organisation. Um, there's lots of things going on in the communities, um, and so yeah, generally what happens is that when we when we get wind of somebody who is in a situation like this, uh, if we if we are not in a position to directly assist, um, we we try our best to use our connections. Uh, to to sort of like try and source solutions to people but like I say it is very situation based and it it isn't always the case that we we have the resources or that we can find the resources in a timely manner for for those people who are in dire need so what does all this mean basically it means that you know as we continue to kind of push push on through this crisis we need an all hands on deck kind of approach Um, you know Mm -hmm. people people out there especially those who haven't been that affected by the situation you know like you, you can be feel free if you feel philanthropic you know there, there's organizations you can donate resources to and so on um, I think that there's probably a lot more capacity than we realize in this country to help those in need so um, so yeah that, that that's my plug at the end of this is basically to say that um, we we there's a lot of things that we do but but yeah we, we need a lot more resources and a lot more sort of like attention on the situation so
1: I really do hope that that help comes. And that, you know, we can all work together on this. Um, Amanda, is there anything you want to say? Because you're looking to close up very soon because we hit yeah, hitting that hour mark. So let's, let's just get into that and then get into closing remarks.
4: Yeah, boy. Um, for me, my closing remarks would be um, just do it. Just help them. Um, right. That's, mm-hmm. what, that's, that's literally what I'm doing right now. <laughs> like, and we can all do it. If we have an income, mm-hmm. if we have an income, like you're lucky. You're one of the lucky ones. Seriously. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm be- I'm literally like now budgeting, which I never do. Um, I am not a grown up, like like budgeting <laughs> for this is this is the amount I'm giving per month to people who and trainees as well who need food for groceries. Um, so that I know when I'm freelancing, like I have my thing set up so I know that this job equals this amount of money equals this is who I'm going to help. Like I have it set up. Um, because if you don't help, then nobody, I mean, you can't wait on the government. Um, also, um, Siobhan had mentioned infospot.org, I N F O S P O T T.org. It's a resource um, for for um, Venezuelan migrants and refugees who need information and assistance. Um, so thanks, Siobhan, for that. Um, so yeah, we, that's, that's just yeah, my we closing comments. Those
1: yeah, yeah, don't wait, and we will put all the these resources, Matthew, like all the websites and so on. We'll make a post so everybody's looking on. Any information you're going to want after this, we will have the links there for you all on the web on the um, Facebook page. Okay, um, I'm seeing a real interesting thing there. I just want to touch on quickly. You know, we we have to understand the connotations that come with certain words and how they are being used and and how and what they have come to mean. So just like you know, we look at Trini. And we see well that's what that's what Venny is, but the way it is used, the connotation of it has changed from just being an abbreviation. All right. So these 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 things are, are nuanced, and we really have to get um you know knowledgeable as a, as a people. But again, that comes with 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 some form of educational um, outreach. You know, um, Matthew. Any closing remarks on on the the the, the topic and your time here with us?
3: yeah I just want to say first of all thanks to, to you all for providing the space for us to have this discussion um it, it's, no problem. Uh, you know it, we need to have more discussions um along these lines um always a pleasure of course to to be talking about these things alongside uh, dear friend uh, as Amanda but um just to say that like they, you know they there's always more that can be done this is me speaking again from uh, from my taking off my professional heart and speaking as a citizen <laughs> uh, match the the, the the trinity to the bone like I, I really I really do feel um, passionate about our capacity to to rise up above the challenges that we've been facing. Um I've seen it in, in, in many small pockets. I've seen you know groups of friends and, and people who have been like digging deep and trying to help those in need. And I, I think it really just it starts with having the will to make changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, having the will to stand up having the will to speak out against discrimination, having the will to sort of like act um, in in ways that that you feel compelled to based on seeing the human side of certain situations. So I just want to encourage people, keep love in your heart and and understand Mm -hmm. that, like, you know, really try to put yourself in the shoes of of refugees, of of migrants, of asylum seekers, of the people that you see. When you hear people saying derogatory things about Benny this and Spanish that, a way to try and actually literally try to put yourself in the shoes of those people, try to understand what it is like, What, what, what how bad the situation has to be for a mother or a father or a grandmother to take their young children in a precarious journey across the ocean without any guarantees that they will have rights and that, that they'll even be able to speak language. Think about how bad the conditions have to be for people to want to voluntarily put themselves uh, in these situations and it will help you really to understand the real human side of it and other than that, just kind of keep safe, look out for your neighbors, and um, thanks for the space
1: again. Right, thank you so much, Matthew. And Matthew, I'll just have you know that you make a little history tonight too, because she's the first press man we had on the show so far. So you know, <laughs> big, big, big up, big alarm, up, meter. big up. You know, yeah, you know, the must be there, but you know, it's our one love. keep loving your heart, right? Um.
3: Lucky the, you didn't say that, that Glad, to
0: see, glad yeah, to see
3: you all improving gradually as things go along. Torrance, <laughs> 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 is a, a good thing we didn't say
1: that in the, <laughs> the earlier part of the program. You might have wanted to stop the <laughs> program, what kind of thing. You see, i <laughs> times speak yeah, with the times properly. Amanda, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show and yes. share oh, with, with see us see all see your insights. Bless it's it. so good to have you. Let's see anything we want to say to close off the
2: vibes? Um, but just, just for people to keep holding people to account as well. You know, I mean, we need leadership to get us through these difficult problems. And I could tell, tell you all, uh, for those who know me, know that I born and grew up in Cedras. So I know the reality of, of mm-hmm. Venezuelans coming in. And the question that, that Narad asks, because Narad is from, you know, his dad is from Cedras as well. So those questions that he asks is questions that have been asked since I was Yehai. high. And right. the questions haven't changed. So that right. means that the leadership needs to do better. We can't yes. be in the same position we were in then. And exactly. as, as as we always do, Cutter, you know, this is probably I think our fifteenth episode or so. As the episodes come on, we'll be doing follow-ups of episodes mm-hmm. and, and we of definitely course. unpacked a lot yeah. in terms of mm-hmm. understanding the frameworks and so on. But the next episodes mm-hmm. we'll go more into suggestions on how to make things better. Because there's a lot of a lot of very structured things that people could do. Um, but just as with the media, in any situation with the media, we have to hold those in position to account because the leadership needs to be better.
1: Definitely. Mm-hmm. We want to thank our, our roving keyboard man, Torian, in and out. Writer. Yes, I. Right, <laughs> thank, thank you for managing this This episode so lovely um yeah
2: pulling it together
1: i see we have people a lot of people still on and we we clock how much we clock here what we clock yeah we hit that we hit that two hours there people so i know everybody back hurting and thing so with that being said i want to thank everyone for tuning in thanks for all the questions we will follow up with this topic at a later time but for now we're signing off thank you all so much again one love heights room, bless out. You know, I'll get them all rock-man thing there in the yeah, end.
2: So. Yes, sir. Right. Yes, thanks. <laughs> Later. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yeah.